up everybody bear with us for a couple of minutes as we get started here started this one a couple of minutes early we should have ben jorgensen coming in ben obviously um ceo constellation um and we've got alan bame coming in uh, alan has a quite the track record in kind of traditional business um but we'll get into a little bit more of that as we Kind of get the speakers up here, so just give us a couple of minutes here and we will get started. I hope everybody had a fantastic new year and holiday. Uh, this is the first Constellation Hypercast space that we've done in 2024 so far. Uh, really excited to get uh, into this one here with you guys, so bear with us for a, a few minutes. We'll get started here shortly. If you guys are just coming in right now, we will be getting started in just a couple of minutes. Wanted to make sure that we started this one early. Um, just to make sure that we didn't have any audio issues, anything like that. See Dagnum down there, HTTP, Eric, all you guys down there. So thank you guys so much. We'll get started in just a minute here, guys. I'm not sure if we have Ben behind the Constellation account or not. I think we've probably got Ben coming in from his personal, just not sure. Nope, it's just, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> well, hi, all Chief. Thank you for joining as well. <laughs> no, of course, of course. Um, I will ping Ben to make sure he's all of his uh, technical stuff is working out. If you guys are just joining right now while we wait for Ben and um, Alan to come in here, um, Alan Bame, uh, track record in professional, uh, his professional career is pretty massive. Uh, former uh, global IT chief information innovation officer and chief enterprise architect at Coca-Cola. Um, you've got Senior Vice President and Chief Technology Innovation Officer at Procter & Gamble. Um, give me a second here, guys, because I do see some requests coming up here. And uh, yeah, we'll get rolling. Ben, you should have co-host now. Should pop you up here in a second. I sent a co-host invite to you, Ben. Here we go. I'm here. There we go. Mm, one down. One down. And now we'll find uh, Alan. Yeah, I, Alan, if you are in the audience right now, the bottom left-hand corner, you should be able to request to speak. Otherwise, I can kind of look down through here and see if we, uh, we can find you. But the best bet is bottom left-hand corner of your phone. It should say re um, request, and we'll bring you up. If he's in here yet, it might be a minute or so. Texted him on the side, so... We'll see. I know he did. Uh, I know he did mention yesterday that there were potential weather uh, issues coming down the pipeline on the coast. Um, hopefully, that's not the case. But that's again, that's why we always start these a couple of minutes early. Um, so we've got a little bit of time here. So any text back yet, Ben? No, sir. Okay. We'll play it by ear for a couple more minutes, guys, and. Um, I mean, we've got a little bit of time here to wait anyway, so we'll, I'm sure we'll get it squared away. 
He may be thinking it's one o'clock. By the way, <laughs> it starts at. He might no, think no, no. When we, okay. we we checked in with him yesterday, he he was pretty in tune with what what was going on. So I think he'll be fine. There were some really cool quotes that we kind of that even just with the introductory aspect of being able to meet him kind of prior to this that that he pulled hopefully we can get him to kind of elaborate on some of his thought processes there um i thought it was really fascinating yeah you know the funny thing is we came into it with like hey okay this is what we want to talk about and he's like hey guys i think this is how it's gonna go (laughs) (laughs) which is like every time i've engaged with with alan uh he's always been like here here's my agenda i don't really care about yours (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which is pretty cool because most people are waiting for you to set up the meeting and, and what to talk about. And that's what I uh, really enjoy about Alan is he's just got such a different. I lost your audio for a second there, Ben. Can you hear me? Yeah, I think my audio is good. Yeah, yours is fine, Solomon. Ben's dropped off. Oh, hey, I mean, space is still rugging folks, huh? positive note i mean first space of the year here so we've got um we did a lot of them last year and we've got multiple more to come this year but we'll give it a couple minutes for for alan here and um we'll get it squared away okay i think he's joining us and he's going to request to to speak here fantastic there we go alan i have you up as a speaker um do we want to do a quick mic check alan if you want to unmute so just so we can test audio How's that? Sounds fantastic, sir. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Um, ben, I think your audio is okay. I know we had a little bit of a a rugging issue momentarily there, but I think we're all right. Um, ben, how's your audio? You want to test it one more time? Yep. Can you hear me? I can hear you great. All right. I will uh, maybe just do kind of a, a brief intro here. Um, for those of you guys that don't know, Genfinity does these Constellation Hypercasts. Uh, on a pretty consistent basis, we did multitudes of them last year. Looking forward to doing many more this year. This is the kickoff for 2024, though. As some of you guys may be aware, Constellation Network now has an enterprise advisory board. Um, Alan Bame is one of the individuals on that advisory board. Uh, some of the experience that Alan has uh, previously is uh, Chief Information Innovation Officer and Chief Enterprise Architect at Coca-Cola. Uh, Senior Vice President and Chief Technology Innovation Officer at Procter & Gamble, along with CTO, um, as well as uh, CTO aspects at H&M. Um, there are, I'm sure we could get much more to the weeds as far as the professional experience goes, and I'm sure we will. But uh, that being said, Ben, I'll kind of let you uh, maybe kick off here. I know that we kind of um, have a little bit of a format, and uh, super excited to have fun today. Uh, thanks, Solomon. Uh, Alan, thanks for joining us today. I really appreciate this. And um, I always love having our conversations together. And so I'm hoping what transpires today is uh, people can get a little taste of what we talk about behind the scenes. Uh, but mostly, most importantly, kind of your, your vision. Um, so without, you know, Solomon or myself actually saying your background, uh, you know, most people in Web3 always have doubts on, on uh, actual projects. Uh, and it would actually really be beneficial if it came from your mouth on your career, how it's transpired, 
um, what that evolution really looks like and, and where your focus has been over the past several years. Oh, great. Well, well thanks for having me here. And uh, you know, I think, as, as you know, we've, we've talked about this, is that um, technologies in general, um, they, they go through cycles. And you know, I, I always look at the, the use cases and the, of what goes on, and I always say it's sort of back to the future. You can always look at new technologies, and we can, we can look at uh, almost anything has its roots in something historical that happened some point in time. Um, many, many times, 20, 30 years ago, um, bits and pieces are taken forward. Now, I, I think that the things that I've been involved with in the past, maybe even going back four or five years, uh, you know, the industry started off a lot with things having to do with provenance, um, which is interesting because everybody has had the problem that they needed to be able to validate information. And, and of course, smart contracts is a good way to do that. And, and then, uh, but at the same time, you have people like the Maersk IBM cooperative that, that didn't work when they were trying to do that and that thing shut down. And I think a lot of it just has to go with, with, with timing that when we bring new technologies in and you see major shifts like we're, we're undergoing right now, and we're going to see, I think, an acceleration of it again. Um, you have an old guard within these large IT organizations that resist it because they don't know it, they don't understand it, and they they try to do whatever they can to prove that their old way approach, the technologies they're used to are, and they're comfortable with, they're able to solve the same problem. They don't need to introduce something new. And I think that we're still fighting that a little bit, along with a little bit of the the overhang of some of the bad publicity um, associated with uh, with tokens and associated with crypto in general, um, but, but I think we're starting to see that um, that diminish as well. And we're seeing more and more people are starting to use that. Starbucks has rolled out a loyalty program that appears to be token based. Um, Nike's just uh, just announced something else having to do with loyalty, kind of an augmentation to their loyalty, but with the um, uh, the NFT platform they purchased. So we're starting to see the early, early adopters jump back in, but they're jumping back in on into areas where there are specific business cases where they can make that, they can show the value. And I think that's what it's going to take to really drive forward the transformation that we're going to see. Um, everything is going to, not everything, but many things are going to have to move to the edge. I've been talking about edge computing for the last five, six, seven years. A ton of marketing to make that happen. Uh, and so you're at the head of, these organizations from a technology stand, standpoint, how, how did you see through um, maybe all the BS or all the things that are happening and say, hey, no, we're actually going to have to go back to the edge. And there's approaches to distributed uh, computing um, and decentralization is one. So how have you seen that kind of evolve and how did that, how did your, your thinking push through a lot of that red tape uh, in these organizations, especially when you said Maersk, uh, the IBM Maersk blockchain effort kind of dropped off. Like, how did you push through all that? Well, I, I think what, what I've learned with the large corporations is that there's there's so many, um, there's so much resistance to change, resistance to technology uh, and new things that, yeah, you really have to almost do it on the side. I mean, I, I've been successful in setting up organizations on the side of General Electric at Coca-Cola. Procter and Gamble at uh, H&M. And it's finding those small groups of people that are willing to and, and enjoy the change and enjoy doing something new. If you give them the protections so they don't worry about what's going to happen to them if they fail, 
because a lot of these things they don't fail because of the tech honestly the tech I, I haven't seen i've seen very few things fail because of tech they fail because of a process or policy or internal politics and i think that the these small organizations on the outside where you can see them are very important but you can't just work with the technology groups you have to make sure that when you're working with a organization that there's a business organization that signs up. But I found out at Coca-Cola, the best way to do this was to do something, create something that was for uh, the customer that had the backing of a small group of salespeople. And if it was successful, what happens was the salespeople, of course, their income goes up because they're on some type of a commission program. They start telling their friends, the other salespeople want to know why they can't use the same technology or the same solution. And you get this grassroots effort that starts pushing for the adoption of the technology into the marketplace. Um, and I think that you, know, you can go back and say, well, how do we know that this works? Go all the way back to around um, 2000, 2001, when Mark Benioff started, um, uh, actually before that, probably in the late 90s, when Mark Benioff started Salesforce, he sold around the IT organizations and went directly to the sales organizations to get the first CRMs in. That's the trick because there's so in most companies there's so much resistance to change. You're not going to you're not going to be able to make it. And and so find it, tie it to people that have money or can earn money and they will become the voice and they will promote this thing and that's how your stuff will scale on a company. I do so we actually have <laughs> uh Ken Spedden up here as well. Uh Ken, another enterprise advisory uh board member within Constellation and uh a welcome surprise. So thank you for coming up as well, Ken. Uh thanks for joining us. Alan, I was watching um this kind of relates to what you were just talking about as well. I was listening to you've done a lot of uh fantastic podcast interviews and kind of uh speaker panels, things like that. Uh, this morning, I was listening to a podcast interview you did with um, an organization called Enterprise Software Innovators. It kind of relates directly to what you were just mentioning as well. Um, digital transformation and what it takes to actually transform an enterprise. Um, you know, with given the fact that we've kind of seen the resistance to change from traditional organizations, or maybe they just don't know how to kind of hop in in the right way from the technology stance and start implementing distributed ledger technology and blockchain. What were, what are some of your thoughts around, you know, how some of these enterprises, how some of these, you know, mega conglomerate organizations should start trying to transform digitally and integrate the technology of uh, blockchain and DLT? I mean, I, I think it's, it's at this point, it's, it's finding that, um, I'm going to call it that one that one business problem that it's, and it's almost like a point solution approach right now is if you can find that one business problem that somebody has a stake in the game that they've been trying to solve for a while, um, then, and work with them in a, in a collaborative manner to create that solution, then you'll be able to get it in. I think that the, 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 it, some of it's changing terminology, to be honest with you. Some companies are so down on just the term crypto, you know, you don't you don't want to use the term crypto. I, mean, I was talking to somebody the other day, I'm sorry I'm off on a tangent for a minute, but I was talking to somebody the other day about a, a, a blockchain initiative um, that I have uh, I proposed to somebody that we were going to work on. 
And I said, I want to get your feeling on this before I take it in and propose it. And his comment to me was, look at, don't use the word blockchain or don't use the word crypto and don't use the word tokens when you present this right now, because to the people I was going to present it to, which just happened to be in financial uh, financial services uh, interest area. Um, he says, because there's just so much negative overhead, he says, you need to rebrand it. He says, think of it as being, think of some of the technology as just being the plumbing, where they people don't necessarily need to know the plumbing, the people that are going to pay the bills or the people that have the money. They don't need to understand the plumbing. The technology guys need to understand the plumbing. But they said, rebrand this thing so that they don't immediately have a negative reaction to the word crypto and come up with another way to describe what you're trying to do that will then allow the technologists to, to be able to translate it into what they need to get done. So I think we're in that stage right now of we don't want to apologize for the con concept of smart contracts. We don't want to apologize for Web3. That, that's not what we want to do. But there, we need to get the misinformation and flush it out and, and, and not take it head on and, and come up with another sets of terms to get there. And I think that's how we'll, we'll make it work on a short term. I don't know if that answers the question, but I think sometimes hiding behind a curtain is sometimes the best way to get things started. Ben, I can go, um, go if you want me to here. I, I kind of wanted to discuss a little bit um, surrounding how these enterprises, how some of these you know, big CPG um, organizations rely on the data economy. Um, right now, you know, is there kind of a fragmentation that occurs with data, whether it's um, business data or, you know, I know that there's kind of regulations around consumer data, things like that, but is there kind of a market segment fit for blockchain, for distributed ledger, for, you know, data aspects and big data with, you know, the Constellation network for streamlining some of these data processes, defragmenting some of the data processes that, that these large organizations and, and brands rely on massively? No, I, I think there is. I think it's going to I think it's going to get uh, the problems that the businesses are going to face are going to get worse before they get better. And these traditional approaches of trying to centralize data and data management aren't, aren't going to be sufficient. You know, when you have various regulatory, various uh, privacy rules around the world, in some cases in in different cities or even uh, within countries. Um, and I'm thinking more of Germany and Switzerland with the cantons and stuff. Um, you're going to, we're going to have to distribute the, the data um, and, and have ownership of the data stay where it you know, stay within these these jurisdictions. There isn't any other way around it, because otherwise you're going to apply very strict regulations on areas that um, on, on, on places where it's not required. So I, I think that the ability to distribute everything. Um, distribute the data, the data management, the control, be able to give people control of their own information and they can make the determination as to who's going to get it on the consumer side. Uh, a big problem in enterprises in general is is which data do I use? How, I can't tell you how many times I've gone into a into a business into a business meeting and we've had the first 30 minutes of the discussion in the meeting was not about the subject of the meeting, but where did you get your numbers and how do you know they're accurate? So and part of that's because the data has been been transformed so many different times into different systems. Nobody actually knows where the source is and understands what the real numbers were. So to the, the ability that we can actually distribute this, that we can assign ownership to it on a distributed basis, 
that we can then keep it together in a, in a way that we understand what we're using and for, for presentation purposes, and then can run our compute, and then we can run our, our algorithms against it, but still return ownership back to the original owners, that is going to be game-changing for industry, and it's something that everybody needs to jump on uh, around the world as fast as we can. You're no longer going to be able to just uh, opt out of things. You're going to want to be able to opt out of using specific informations in certain cases and still use that information in others because it's allowed in one part of the world or or a particular business problem as it allows it. So um, the specificity that we're going to get out of distributed ledger technology is going to be huge for us. I think, Ben, I mean, that, that ties pretty uniquely into, I mean, even if you look at kind of the, the market segment fit and the product aspects of Door and the data provenance that kind of empowers, whether it's a data for no, uh, datapreneur or businesses, whatever that may be, Ben. I mean, I think that there's a lot of synergy there when you talk about, you know, kind of the source of data and the way that data is kind of managed and the way that, you know, the, the value of data and being able to kind of empower businesses uh, on top of that by, you know, making sure that what the information that they have is used in, in, the, in the proper ways to scale or grow their business in whatever way they deem fit. Yeah, I was going to comment around kind of the adoption cycle of this. You know, I think um, a lot of, you know, and this goes back to maybe your branding and, you know, that we've seen so many bear markets on the crypto side and there's negativity in the press and then, you know, FTX and then, oh my God, now ETFs. Like it's a, it's a roller coaster of an industry if you look at it from the outside in. But there is a lot of critique that, hey, this technology has been around for a while. And maybe to Alan's point that it's not always about the technology, but it's kind of about how you're approaching selling it internally to other organizations. But, you know, Alan, I think some of the worries that a lot of people have um, are the adoption of, of this technology. IBM, Maersk failed. Okay, so now that throws out a slew of, of use cases around supply chain. Um, how do you feel about the adoption cycle? Um, you know, I, I, we kind of entered the space in a, a way that we saw blockchain supply chain could it could solve a lot of problems. That kind of got thrown out the window. Uh, how do you see uh, the, this industry solving or going through another adoption cycle, and what does that look like? Um, has it been around for too long that we haven't seen that giant? Uh, boom and use case that's extremely massive outside of like Web3 connector tools? Uh, or do you think we're in for another boom uh, around the distributed uh, distributed computing angle? Um, yeah, I, I think I think we're 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 waiting for that killer app, right? Mm -hmm. that, that 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 killer app to come. And once that first killer app comes and we start seeing widespread adoption again then that's going to fuel that that's going to fuel the next cycle um and and i think what we have to do is make sure that in this next cycle that there's a soft landing because this thing will go will go up and down but the the question is what is that killer app or apps that is going to make people change whether it's from a consumer standpoint or from an enterprise standpoint or are there going to be regulatory changes that are coming down that just cannot be solved in any other way as efficiently without using this technology. <clears throat> I, I'm an optimist here. Uh, I, I believe that, there's a, that there are some killer apps around the corner. 
Um, I believe that that the areas of most leverage in large corporations, if you, if you want to go internally, is things that have to do with supply chain, but it's not just provenance. It, could, it can be things that have to do with trade financing. It can have things to do with um, product um, uh, a product discovery and other things. I think there's a lot of opportunities there that will then change how enterprises, large enterprises work. Uh, but I think that the the you know the data sharing is going to become very much more important because we everybody only has one piece of their information and, and we know that it can't be centralized anymore for various regulatory reasons. So I, I I'm optimistic. Now saying that it could be that killer app is 24 months out. I don't know. Uh, but there's enough out there. I know there's people working on things that we're gonna we're gonna find that killer app and then we're gonna see a we're gonna see a run up again. I like that you said um, you had the phrase soft landing, um, Alan. I, I know that, you know, especially with these site, you know, market cycles with Web3 and, and crypto as a whole, it, it always seems to be all or nothing. It's very boom and bust uh, in that regard. Um, you know, one of the things that a lot of people talk about in this space is having a plan. Um, you mentioned yesterday something interesting, uh, you know, some of these corporations, enterprises having a fear of missing out. Uh, we kind of see that from the on the retail side a lot of the time, but um, interesting take on corporations or enterprises enterprises kind of having the same feeling. But we also kind of talked a little bit, and I would love for you to maybe extrapolate um, on a lot of these enterprises or organizations not necessarily seeming like they have a plan on what they're going to do in this space. How important do you feel that it's going to be moving forward for every company to have a distributed strategy? Well, I, I think that, yeah, you're right. Fear of missing out is is, uh, is is a real thing. I think we're seeing that right now with the Gen AI craze, um, and, and I, I predict there's going to be a, uh, a, a, a we're going to see we're going to see some some fallout from that probably at the end of the first quarter and in part of second quarter. Um, the way corporations work that I've seen them over the years is that when a new technology gets hyped in the marketplace and with Gen AI, you can thank we can thank Sam at OpenAI for this. Um, they hyped it; it got it got uh, caught on in the press. Um, we really needed something to um, take our mind off the crypto winners and off of other things, and people jumped on it. and And it's going through its hype cycle. Um, meanwhile, I think we're actually in a crypto thaw. That's my own personal opinion of what's going on. We're going to see some changes, but um, what will happen is. People read about it. The board, somebody on the board reads something. The board asks the CEO what's going on. The CEO says, I'll, I'll get back to you and goes to your, goes to the CTO or goes to somebody in, in, in the company and says, I need, to, I need to give something back to the board and give them some information on this. Let's, let's, what, what are we doing? And nobody wants to be told that we're not doing anything. So they quickly commission a small project. And, and that's how this stuff gets hyped. And then it goes on for, six months, a year or so, year and a half, and then it just sputters out. And part of that is the problem of how technology is used in most companies. I'll put financial services aside. This doesn't apply. But 80% of the, this, this is only my opinion. It's all that it is. 70% um, of the technology leaders in most corporations today are more worried about support and they worry about anything else, and they're supporting the business processes and the business capabilities of an organization. 
20% of the technology leaders are thinking about enabling and how they're going to enable the business plan and the business strategy. And only 10% are really getting into things that are transformative. So if you're going to work with a a company, you need to find those companies that have the transformative IT leadership teams and set up that way, or the enablers, because the others are just going to do it as a, uh, what we like to call in the Silicon Valley here, it's kind of like it's a petting zoo project. It makes you feel good. You know, you go in and pet the animals and they make you feel good. And, and so therefore, let's put the technology in and we can say we're doing it and we'll smile and it makes us feel good. But the reality is there's no money for it. The reality is we're squeezing it out of something else or we're deferring something else. So the ch- challenge is to go find that leadership. Now, I was on a, on a call earlier today. It's hard to find those leaders. Certain industries are better than others. Financial services is always on the forefront. The technology companies themselves are usually pretty much in a leadership positions. But when you get into the majority of organizations, they're just not there. There's always exceptions to that. And there's exceptions to the leadership style, but they're just not there. I would suggest find companies that are uh, technology forward, where their CEOs and the leadership team are digital natives and are no longer part of the analog era, because you're more apt to find someone that can that's willing to take up the new technology and move faster than work with an organization where the people are really just looking at it for pure support. So fear of missing out is real. Um, finding the right company in the right industry will help. Uh, you can always go down the startup road and build it and they will come. But, um, and there's a lot of opportunities. If you build the right thing and it is that killer app, people will come to it. Uh, but it just, it takes time understanding who your customers are and who they're going to be in the future to succeed. Thanks, Alan. Um, you, you mentioned as well uh, yesterday, you know, you talked a little bit about hype um, there. But, you know, you mentioned hype would not, exist right now without the need for the technology um so there is something here obviously i mean i all of us are in this space we all know there's something here i would love for maybe you to maybe go down that rabbit hole just a little bit with us um you know the need for the underlying technology you know especially with the move towards distributed systems and and all of that well i mean yeah i I think what we all face um especially consumer facing challenges is latency and, um, you know, there was all this promises that 5G would solve latency. Well, it didn't. Now there's the promises 6G will solve latency. But that, that's all been assumed that the, I think people were assuming that they could still centralize the data, that they could run everything from, from the cloud. Um, it's just, you know, I, I don't think we're going to see the reduction in latency to the, to the point where people actually accept the delays that they're getting for day-to-day things ever. And I, I, it just without a significant change in the technological approach and architecture. And that's why I think that we're gonna see distributed systems. We're seeing distributed databases already. Uh, we've got Postgres on the edge, which is out there now. We have other people that are building things on the edge. The, the, the Web3 technologies are perfect for this. They're perfect to solve kind of the minority reportish issues that we saw in the movies from 20 years ago. Um, of, of instant interaction, the ability to secure payments or secure uh, secure exchange of information or data um, that don't that doesn't need to be centralized. It, it has to happen, and I think there'll be no large organization in the future that's going to be able to not have both a central cloud and distributed 
technology strategy and architecture in place. It's just going to be an education process of how to do it and when to use it. And I think people that are involved in distributed technologies have need to get out there and start evangelizing and helping people understand in a big picture where it makes sense to use distributed approaches versus central. I think that's one of the greatest messages that that you really have in creating confidence and kind of what's coming out there is that we're really looking at the technology myopically and and how communities are using it. Uh, but if you if you zoom out, I think what you're saying is there's uh, a fascinating land grab for for real adoption that we just haven't seen. This is going back to my adoption question of like, is it taking too long? Well, in some ways, we've got the the fundamentals there, right? We've got the user base in Web3, we've got some builders in Web3, uh, and now it's kind of how do you market or evangelize that connection? Um, you know, and I think a, a lot of the stuff that we're doing at Constellation uh, is trying to reach that, right? We're trying, to, we're trying to bridge that. We acquired Door Technologies, which is, um, you know, a business that's very antiquated. Like you collect, foot traffic, like it's a very basic measure, measurement or metric of, of success in brick and mortar. And then we have this Web3 division, and now we're tying the two together to kind of showcase how you can take like a legacy mindset and apply it in a new capacity and create a whole a new set of data that, that comes out of it um, by using kind of this incentive by design. Um, Alan, how, you being on the forefront of working with with you know CPG brands, um, talk a little bit more of how they're leveraging incentive at their their core value proposition while also looking at at data around their users, um, or maybe they're they're not looking in a certain direction and how these how these two worlds can co collide. Well, yes, I, I think that um, we, we did some work at Coke years ago um <clears throat> where what we did was we started incentivizing people to watch videos um and we created some apps and and and, and we were basically again giving tokens and you could get a uh, you know you could win a um hamburger mcdonald's who's one of our customers or <clears throat> or get a free coke when you went in there and things and um again i think that it, a lot of it was testing the waters um because we didn't see the we didn't see the uptake and the adoption that we want when you're when you're a company like Coke, but what's, what's you know what's interesting is and, and this is what I think people have a hard time understanding is if you do something that impacts 200, 300, 500,000 people at Coke, you just go okay that was a failure because when you start looking at the marketing budgets, you look at the number of of servings that a company like Coke serves on a daily basis. <clears throat> you know, you you need to be you need to be immediately impacting tens of millions and hundreds of millions of people, and that's the challenge in the CPG space. Is that for most of us, we think, gee, five hundred thousand people using something is great, but it's a rounding error when you talk to consumer. We talk about consumer brands, so scale is everything, and you don't have much time to scale. You have to get there. You have to get there fast, um, and I think that's that's the biggest challenge. 
the data is is important. The data is something that that we as any CPG or FMCG company, you end up buying so much of it from third parties because the retailers have disintermediated you directly from the transactions that you can't see. If there is a way to create a connection between what's happening with the media spend and the media uh, targeting through to purchase, because nobody ever knows what you really buy. But if we can actually get that through technology, get that 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 the relationship, then the, the brands will start being able to take back control of the relationship with the consumers and the consumer's data and use it more effectively to have to create new products, new product offerings, come up with new ways to interact, new ways for payment and other things. But You've got to get to scale and scale fast. You can test in a country. And in fact, the one company I was at, we used to test our products in Australia before we brought them to California because we thought that Australia was a good representation of people's behaviors in California. But, um, but then once you did that, you now had to push it out across not just the US, but the rest of the world. And that's where most of these things ha have their challenges. So time works against you in, in consumer. Um, you have to find that thing and just run with it. And then you have to find a way to maintain it over time so people keep coming back. And that's our challenge. It sounds like, I, I mean, we've, we've kind of touched on this a little bit through and throughout uh, this discussion as well. But it sounds like, we, you know, we may be kind of at the precipice of, you know, the evolution or the next evolution of, of kind of the client server model. Um, and you kind of went over that a little bit yesterday as well um, when we kind of had our introductory meeting. I don't know if you would be able to uh, maybe dive a little bit deeper into uh, that thought process of, of what this technology could represent um, as far as how, how companies, how organizations are modeling out, um, you know, their, their interaction um, through, that, through those models. Well, you know, I, I think that um, you know, as I said, back to the future is sort of the theme. You know, if you talk client server, which I think comes from probably the 80s or so, maybe <clears throat> maybe 90s, but um, certainly I think the 80s, if I remember right. Um, you know, the there are so many different opportunities to for, for this to, to to work in a distributed manner. I, I think that as blockchain is the as the underlying technology behind blockchain and Web3 gets more efficient, and we can commit transactions at a faster rate. It's not just read, but being able to commit them at a faster rate. Then the types of models that, we've, that we saw uh, back 20, 30 years ago, business models and others will, will, be, will be revisited. There is no good reason to be moving data to a centralized location if it's being used in, in a distributed manner 90% of the time. If you need it, you can just simply do differential updates to the larger data set uh, in order to make it work, if, if that's what you need to do. But putting the data close to where the users are, putting the data close to where the owners are, being able to create the transactions, being able to create the, uh, uh, create the, the predictive models and do it in as near real-time fashion as possible, that's that's nirvana here. That's what we're trying to get to. And the solution by the traditional providers have been, well, let's set up expensive servers. And now we need to get a backup server for that. Let's set up 
uh, these, let's set up small data centers in all of these locations. And you start thinking about the cost of this. And then you start thinking about what happens in factories and IoT devices. It's not, it's not scalable. And I think the tech that we have sitting here in front of us will allow for IoT to be able to go forward um, and, and at a much faster rate and a much more secure rate. I think it's going to allow us to get to these distributed environments in factories and in, in stores and in, in restaurants that have been, there's been this large push to go back into the cloud. Um, I, I think the technology is there that's going to enable that. I, I think what we have here, we just have to take some of those business problems and show how it's more efficient and more effective than doing it any of these old traditional ways that we've been we've been uh, going through for the last few years. But th they're wide open. I mean, I, I think just in a distributed environment, there's a great. This is this has nothing to do with Web three, but just in general, there's some articles that are produced on what Chick fil A has done on distributed. Um, distributed restaurant systems. And it's it's fantastic. Now, the question is, they did it in a little bit more of a traditional approach. The question is, could they have done something even differently? Could they have tied, their, could they have tied the wallets of individuals back in all the way through their POS and into their ordering systems? I mean, there's so many things that can be done once you get into these verticals. And, and the tech is there, I think, will enable it. But we have to educate people. We have to build up a group of developers that understand it. We have to educate the, the, uh, the service providers that are providing services to these large corporations. There's a lot of education work in order to get there. I'm curious, Alan, from your stance, you know, you mentioned kind of killer app aspects, but coming from, and this is literally, you know, kind of a, just an off the cuff question for me, coming from a traditional background in kind of project management and you I know you talk a lot about kind of the the ERP or the enter, enterprise resource planning systems that most organizations use across the board even smaller organizations like I re I remember the ERP systems that I had at two different um positions that I had in project management that were like dating back to definitely like definitely like the mid 80s that were trying to tie every facet of the business uh into kind of one erp system from accounting to supply chain to project management software to all that stuff do you think that this change comes from the top down or does it start with smaller businesses and you know and, and move its way upward um it, it's going to go back to those three different type of technology leaders um and unfortunately, um, you know, what I'm seeing as a trend in ERP is I'm seeing them being broken up a little bit. And we're seeing uh, not everybody's putting their all of their trust into one ERP anymore. So that's the good news for anybody that is involved in creating solutions that you'll now start bolting on to ERPs. Because ERP, what it, what it did in, in many ways was it commoditized the IT business and IT organizations because it was built on best practices. And every that means everybody is equal. There's no competitive advantage in what you're doing. And so therefore, it really, the value that it brought forth initially of, of getting people to view things, get information together, has been diminishing over years. So you literally, you do something special, your, your service provider takes it over your competitor and says, hey, we just put this in over there, we can put it in for you. And we all the lessons we learned, you now get to pick up and use them. So these, these giant ERPs are... Um, where, where technology is not a competitive advantage, go ahead and put the ERP in. When, when technology or the technological capabilities you can create are a competitive advantage, 
what you want to do is wrap your ERP and you want to start building those technology. You want to start building those other solutions. And I'm saying build as opposed to buy because you're never going to get something that's truly a competitive advantage if you're constantly buying things. So you need to buy and configure or you need to build. But this is where the opportunity is, is to find out what are those capabilities that are better off served in a distributed manner, that are better off served the Web3 technologies, and then find a way to bolt them and interface them back in with these big behemoths that are slow moving so that you can make these customer facing or these differentiating uh, capabilities available at a much faster pace than waiting for the two, three, four time a year release of, a, of an ERP system. So I don't know that it has to do with the size of the company. It has to do with the, the leadership and the adaptability of the technology leadership of whatever company you're working with, whether you're working with a small SaaS-based ERP or you're working with one of the large on-prem vendors that are moving into the cloud. Uh, it's going to get down to that mindset of the individual you're dealing with. Uh, kind of adding on to that just real quick here. I mean, you mentioned before, you know, or alluded to multiple times during this. Um, leveraging data and leveraging the technology in a way for some of these big brands to really bring bring the brand closer to the consumer, closer to the customer. I'm curious from your stance, um, you know, managing risk within that as the technology develops, um, as something like Constella Constellation Network grows from the data standpoint, um, how important is privacy going to be? How important is, you know, how do you see kind of regulations playing into that, maybe on a jurisdictional level level or just as a whole? Um, but I know privacy is kind of a hot topic right now, especially with how quickly the technology is is evolving. Yeah. Um, so I, I guess yeah, <laughs> there's sort of two set two two sets to this two sides to this thing. If I think about it, is that one privacy is is going to be important because the regulators are making it important. If if we look at the actions of many of of um, younger individuals. Um, They've pretty much thrown privacy out, and they're willing to trade privacy for uh, for services and capabilities that they get. And we see that all the time, whether you're on on, on TikTok or you're on um, in Instagram or what, whatever you might be on. You're, you're you're trading your privacy for to get something of value to you, and people are not afraid to do that. I think that the it's the regulators over uh, regulators and see a lot of this more overseas than we see it here. I think they're doing it, but I also think they're doing it in order to try to protect their industries as much as protect their people, because there are the industries that have been, uh, the software and technology industries that have developed overseas are lagging those of many other nations. Um, and therefore think they can actually think they can slow things down by um, creating these 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 regulations around privacy and they can in fact because most of the data to date has been stored in centralized locations and has been intermixed with other individuals and regulation and people that have regulatory control over other people's information or corporate information in different countries so you get down to the least common denominator again so again technology here will help but you you have to re-engineer things and and adhere to it and, and that's a way forward for you. That'll give you an advantage over doing things the the other way. I was with one company that was applying European GDPR policy to data they had uh, they were collecting in the United States. And the the only reason that they said was, well, now we have to set up separate data privacy offices. Now we have to set up all these things if we're going to do it and, and allow for the use of data in one place and not in another. Uh, it's just too complex for us. 
and it's and it's too costly. So it's better for us just to uh, say, look, let's use the uh, uh, we'll, we'll use the the most restrictive and apply it everywhere. But what they didn't realize was that their competition was and taking the least restrictive approach. So they knew less about their customer than the competition did, and and that's because the customer had distributed the data. They they had they had gone ahead and. Uh, looked at putting the uh, meeting the regulations where things were were on the ground. Um, this is real. This is a big problem that corporations are going to face. But we're going to have winners and losers, and we're going to have winners and losers not just at company level, but entire countries are going to win and lose based on how they decide to regulate uh, information in the future. And I think you're you're already seeing the the battle lines being drawn in Gen AI as well. And we're going to see certain countries are just are going to lose out on the next generation there, uh, and they'll lose out on the next generation of 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 of, of, uh, of benefits, business benefits that are brought forth, just because they're going to overregulate everything. So I, I have something that maybe maybe I'm just thinking out loud. Maybe there's some type of a play here within the the Gen AI space for um, for Web three technologies as well, and maybe that will help drive uh, drive some of these things forward also i don't know <clears throat> i just kind of wanted to add on to well i kind of had just kind of a curious question here I, I mean coming from such a kind of esteemed background in traditional business i'm curious uh, it's always interesting i mean especially over the past let's say handful of years you see a lot of a lot of individuals from a lot of mega corporations or you know finance and banking whatever it may be kind of moving into web3 based roles or web3 based companies or at least having relationships with uh, with web3 based com companies there's obviously kind of a transitionary period there i'm curious from your standpoint alan um was there ever ever a period that you had personally uh where blockchain and distributed ledger you kind of looked at it with with a lot of skepticism and in that regard was there, you know, after the fact, was there an aha moment that kind of made you realize that there's something here, this is valuable, the, te the underlying technology, you know, has legs, it's going to grow, things like that? Well, well I, I think that um, you know, when, I, when I first started looking at it, um, I looked at it through the eyes of Bitcoin, to be honest with you. And um, I, didn't, I didn't really jump into the benefits of the technology on a much broader scale. And then I'll go back to the, what I said earlier about Sam Altman and OpenAI was he became the de facto spokesperson for all of generative AI, right? And, and, and brought attention to it and really promoted it. And I would say that the same thing happened in crypto with Bitcoin. And it just, it became the de facto discussion point. And I think that did a lot of things to draw positive attention to it. And to, and to the, the underlying technology, so you start looking at the underlying technology and what it can do and what else it can do. But um, it's also colored it as well. So um, that, that's when, when, I, when I got into it and understood what it was really doing. But it, it, took, it really took that, the publicity for Bitcoin to, to, to get me to, to take that significant look as to how I could apply it to my business. And I think that's true with all technologies. The same thing happened. I was with DHL many years ago. We were actually the sixth customer for a company named Netscape. And Netscape, of course, is the one that created the browser. 
uh, the first uh, commercial browser. But when I was asked prior to Netscape's launch, what did I think of the internet? What did I think of, 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 of what was going on uh, that Andreessen had done out of the University of Chicago? I think it's where he was. Um, you start looking at the first browsers and stuff. And, and I looked at it from a business perspective. I said, this is interesting, but I said, I don't see the uptake in it for X amount of time just because there isn't any way to, um, to access it in a, in, a reasonable, in a reasonable fashion. And then when Netscape formally started looking at it, well, the first, the, the killer app to get onto IP technology was uh, and be able to switch over from um, uh, the old IBM SNA was um, email. And we can now get a browser in order to access email. And that's then turned into DHL actually becoming the first company to create global trace and trackaging of packages using um, IP technology and using and, and using browsers, but browsers weren't common then. So we had to build a we had to build a client server app. Uh, we had to build a an app for our, for PCs in order to be able to track. So it goes back to that killer app. It goes back to how it gets marketed, and it gets back to how people are going. How are you going to encourage people to look underneath the covers and figure out what else they can do with it? Yeah. Alan, I, you know, I've loved this discussion because um, it's really been objective. It's macro. I think it's inspiring for everybody to hear really kind of where this technology is versus being in the weeds every day and like hoping that ETFs will save the industry. But to your point, the publicity really, really helps create more credibility in the space than we've had for years. Um, I guess zero, taking a moment and kind of zeroing in, and for all the people that are our Constellation and DAG followers, um, can you give them a little idea on like why, why you decided to work so closely with us um, and what that experience has been, been like? Yeah. Well, you know, I think it's, it's um, when, when, I, when I, you know, I, I do, uh, do a lot of advising and do a lot of other things. And, and, and I, I think it's, it's, it's a couple of things. One, when you, when you see a, a potential, uh, you, you see that we're getting ready. We're getting ready for another hockey stick approach here. I don't. I don't know if the hockey stick is six months away. I don't know if, if it's three months or if it's if it's a year away. But there's a hockey stick coming here. It's it's going. I'm convinced it's going to take off. Um, and and I think that. Do we lose audio for a what, second? Um, there's a lot. Oh, Alan, uh, we lost you for yeah. a second. So I think yeah. I think that hockey we're stick. yeah. I think that we're we're seeing things that are going to take off, right? And I think that that's why. The other thing is I always believe in people and, and Ben, you and the team are fantastic. And, um, and I, I've enjoyed, I've been learning a lot and, I, and I've been able to add some value, but I think that where, where Constellation is, is it's, it's in a unique position to do some things that, um, and start, I'm not going to say even testing the ground, but start moving forward with some of the, the like with door and some of the other things that will lead to many other opportunities that are out there right now of, um, I'm sorry. We're on the we're on the verge of of making some great headways, which will change the way that that consumers interact. And I think this technology is going to get there. And I think you guys are uh, you guys are really well positioned. That's what I got excited about it. Along with some of the other things that you shared with me, and some of the other uh, organizations that are looking at using technology, it gives me a lot of a, a lot of hope for the future right now. And that's that's why that's why I wanted to jump into this. I I think. I think this is a big deal and I think it's coming.
Thanks, Alan. I, I appreciate that. And um, it's really been fun working with you. I know you've really unlocked um, a lot in my head where, you know, I've, we've been doing this for, for five slash six years, uh, going on six years. And, uh, and we've seen a lot in, in operating and getting the, the fundamentals, the operations under control. So having you come in right now has been really, really fun to kind of see what the potential is across so many different industries. Uh, and I think some of the, our, our brainstorms have like basically gone down. So what do we want to do? And where do we want to go? Because sky, sky is the limit. So I appreciate what you're saying. Well, you know, and it's, like I said, you, you guys have been pushing my thoughts. And I think you and you know, I've talked that, that um, we, we sometimes will we'll start on one subject and we go to something else because all of a sudden something just really kicks in. And I think that's, uh, that's the, the positive stuff. I'd like to open it up, Ben, if there's anything that we might have missed during this um, conversation, or any topics. Um, we can kind of take a couple minutes here to kind of go over those, but um, yeah. Yeah. I think, I think one of the big thing that I love, uh, I love from our discussion yesterday, and I think you, you touched on it today, Solomon was really that, that whole idea of back to the future is kind of looking at what worked in the, in the past and evolving that. And um, Alan, I think you, you had some really good things to say and, and maybe you already covered it, but really kind of driving that vision home is, is really taking what's been done in the past, but just evolving it and retrofitting it to where it applies today. Um, especially looking at kind of how we're organizing data. Okay, well, we're taking databases uh, that were centralized. Now we're decentralized for faster processing and decision-making closer to the edge. I think it's a really powerful message. Um, is there any other message that you kind of want to send to to the community into the space and the industry in general on how to how to move this um, industry forward uh, over the next couple of years. Well, you know, I, I think you know taking some lessons learned from a from a a nonprofit that I've um, helped to form a board on um, is that um, you know there needs to be and I, I, I hate to say standards groups because really I don't, I don't like standards groups, but there needs to be some organization that really takes responsibility for the marketing, for the positioning of this. And it, and it, can, it can be a nonprofit, that, uh, which is what we did with the, the Cloud Security Alliance, but something that goes forward and um, does a lot of the self-promotion, making sure that, that there are people that are, are talking the, the, the same elevator pitch and are interfacing with people to make sure that they have the right information and and can go ahead and um, counter any of the uh, the negative things that are out there. Um, so I, I think it'd be if if there is such a group that is formed or could be formed, that's mission is to promote the uh, adoption, uh, the safe, secure adoption of the technology um, without getting into standards. I think that would go a long way to helping speed things up because you will find people that will want to use this in the in the CISO offices of corporations. You're going to find people that will want to use this for new marketing. But I think there's a lot of things that could be done to um, positively deliver the message and encourage it. And I think that's, that'll do, go, that's probably the single biggest thing that could probably help in going in, in getting there. Um, and and and, the, and I think the faster that comes about, um, 
And I, and I said, the Cloud Security Alliance, which we formed, has over 100,000 members in it now in you know, 60, 70 countries. Now, it's, take, it's been around 10 years, but the start of it, you know, we, we had people from PayPal and eBay, and we had people from Microsoft and all kinds of different companies joined in to help promote the cloud. Um, I think the same thing happens, needs to happen here. I think that's a great, maybe maybe small segment, Ben, to uh, just m maybe briefly touch base on National Digi Foundry. Um, obviously, you know, recently announced, established at the University of uh, Texas at San Antonio, um, a grant from the National Science Foundation. Obviously, a government organization. I know the United States Treasury is involved. Um, that includes Microsoft. That includes IBM. It includes Constellation Network. It includes BioCrowd, and one of the um, one of the prospects of that obviously is innovation management. Uh, the, you know, having discussions, having educational initiatives that promote the responsible use of digital assets, which obviously include the technology, include um, cryptocurrencies as well. But Ben, I don't know if you wanted to just maybe briefly touch base on that, but I know Alan just mentioned it and that is yeah. a pinpoint <laughs> initiative I could bring up. I don't even know if Alan even knows about that. Uh, yeah, we're actually working with the this group called the Digi Foundry that's been able to um, bring together entities such as IBM, Microsoft, ourselves as founding partners, um, but also the Department of Treasury uh, and a few other. Uh, I think the Department of, of uh, Human Resources. Um, uh, it's an amazing group of individuals that are are tokenizing. Uh, a DAO by bringing all these these uh, these leaders together, which is the first one I've seen uh, of that breadth that's attempting to kind of start out by creating working groups and topics. And actually, one of the topics that Benjamin Diggles is we lost you for a second, Ben. Yeah, uh, and how our our blockchain technology, how Constellation can really uh, be impactful, and they're also building the whole tokenized DAO and working groups on Constellation there um, that will be deployed in, into IBM's cloud infrastructure for their first iteration. So there, there's some, there are some, some efforts to kind of create a more positive conversation in the space that I think goes away from uh, a lot of the negativity that we've seen. We're actually starting to see uh, government organizations outside of you know our work with the DoD come together and say, hey, how do we how do we move this technology forward? How do we do information sharing rights of uh, of of research from universities and share that with people, tokenize it, make it more available, share that data across universities where, like Alan said, has actually been very siloed. So everything that Alan's been talking about in in a macro perspective, um, we're seeing on the front lines. Uh, in various use cases uh, every day, and we're starting to see that happen. So I think you're going to see a lot happen with the the Digi Foundry um, uh, over the next couple of weeks. I know they have a conference uh, next week that we're sending a few people out to to kind of talk about how to use the Stargazer wallet to activate the token. So um, there are some really great things that we're using the technology. We're, we're teaching people how to use it while also pushing, um, uh, you know, big agendas out there. Well, Solomon, I have to say, yeah, yep, yep. yeah, I have to say, I really, really appreciate Alan, uh, your time today. I'm sure this won't be, uh, the last time that we're having a discussion, really looking forward to, um, seeing some of the initiatives that you are, 
um, advising the Constellation Network and team on. Um, obviously, such a powerhouse with, with with the experience that you've had in your career. So um, I think that the thought leadership aspects alone are invaluable to not only the Constellation Network, but the wider Web3 space as a whole. Um, we need senior IT and senior um, technology officer leadership uh, that's coming from traditional finance into the space. Uh, it's been a pleasure to uh, have the opportunity to uh, have you on today as well. I should say, um, coming down the pipeline here at the very beginning of February, we have at least the last of the initial five members of the Enterprise Advisory Board. We will have Eric Bethel on. Um, for those that aren't aware that are in the audience, um, Eric was nominated by the president, confirmed unanimously by the Senate to represent the United States at the World Bank. At the World Bank, Eric spearheaded a number of tech initiatives, including blockchain and the tokenization of World Bank loans. So we'll definitely be getting into the weeds with Eric here. I think that's February 1st. Um, all of that being said, Alan, such a pleasure to have you on today. Uh, really appreciate your time, sir, and looking forward to future discussions. Yeah, thank you well, so, so much. Thank you for having me. And I really enjoyed it as well. I hope everyone has a great day. Yeah, thank you so much, Alan. Have a great one. I appreciate the time and all your insights. Have a good one. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks, everybody. See you guys next time. Bye. Motherfuckers screaming out loud, looking for mercy Before they find themselves working a corner down in Jersey What could be worse? Misrepresenting the first come first serve Mentality stuck in the burbs I'll be numbing up first before discovering what works And we'll see what other kinds of trash is under the dirt We rape and plunder the earth Sit and wonder about the worth and play Ring around the rosy while the thunder is served Motherfuckers walking around here looking faceless Trying to make a living selling friendship bracelets Dead ends dragging out the max amount of payments Red down days Got them acting all bankless Yo fam, what? Check these token knocks They probing this bear Flexing broken honest I had to lay my soul down I'm just roasting knotters And then to end a long day Eleven bowls of chronic Never known the politic I was born to frolic It's been my policy To pollinate all over the plot We got a lot of apologists Jumping in at the top We like to measure their velocity Before they hit rock bottom Over the impossible loss It's all moss And I'm liking the odds Fond doing the morning Forming mycological bonds Click the cap, yo the road is highly involved Flip a coin, diary falls Motherfuckers screaming out loud Looking for mercy Before they find themselves Working a corner down in Jersey What could be worse? Misrepresenting the first come first serve Mentality stuck in the burbs I'll be numbing up first Before discovering what works And we'll see what other kinds of treasures Under the dirt We rape and plunder the earth Sit and wonder about the worth and play Ring around the rosy While the thunder is served Trying to figure out the max Amount of dinner lace Stacked in non-toxic Just to get a better place Smacking on the Hostage. Like the shit is played for keeps clowns, white knight, and all these Maybellines. They call it implausible when model after model keeps on ripping off the coat and going full throttle. Beats tearing apart your community. All these low hanging fruits bearing zero liquidity. Got a planet in reach, coming standard to each. I'm on the back ten stargazing after the siege. Commanding all the management to grab a few seats and then we'll round up the beasts and send a messenger east. Y'all better sign a release when I'm bumping these beats. Hands up if I got motherfuckers drumming the street. Yo, we got a few dubs, we got a couple defeats And if you're coming for the king, you better have some of each Motherfuckers fuckers screaming out loud, looking for mercy Before they find themselves working a corner down in Jersey What could be worse? Misrepresenting the first come first serve Mentality stuck in the burbs I'll be numbing up first before discovering what works And we'll see what other kinds of treasures under the dirt We rape and plunder the earth Sit and wonder about the worth and play Ring around the rosy while the thunder is served
Spaces.